0: Thank you. Everyone and welcome back to We Bought a Mic for a little upside down cast, a little love and thunder cast, and some Emmys thoughts as we get into the Emmys and the new Thor and the new Stranger Things. My name's Ernest.
1: I am uh, Guns N' Roses' second biggest fan,
0: Hunter. Oh, behind uh, Mr. Tyka? Behind
1: Tyka. behind Tyga, of course. Um, well, I should say number three because number two is actually Drew, who isn't here because he actually had to save both of our lives by playing uh, Metallica uh, oh, in a very epic yeah. showdown to Master like, of save Puppets. Us all. Yeah, he had to save Mas- He just now learned of Master of
0: Puppets. He had never heard of this band. He was like Metallica. Is that what they're <laughs> called? Eighties, uh, 80s, eighties 80s metal, hair metal, having a little bit of a of a massive comeback all of a sudden. I don't know if Guns N' Roses is
1: hair metal. Guns N' Roses are a little bit more, they're more poppy than hair metal. Yeah, I mean, they're they're dad rock. Both of them are dad rock now, so sure, we can just lump them together.
0: Well, we're here. Guns N'
1: Roses, like dads everywhere, are
0: furious at us
1: for like comparing Guns and Roses fan bases to Metallica you? fan bases.
0: <laughs> yeah, how dare you lump <laughs> Guns and Roses and Metallica <laughs> together? Yeah. I'm gonna be like, Just I don't, don't know, they're kind of like a
1: speedwagon, right? Like,
0: I don't know. <laughs> Just... Well, we're here. We're back on Zoom. Uh, back in the upside down. Back in Asgard. I got my I got my Thor up here. Uh, trying to trying not to, to go full virtual background here, but just, you know, got to represent Dune and got to represent uh, Mr. Thor here looks like he's smashing through the uh, the Captain America shield. He's very, uh, very a cab Thor, you know. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Why not? Um, also, you know, everything not everywhere. As
1: I have, yeah, I, I got my boy Tom over here, which is all that I really need. Tom is Tom's like, uh, doesn't believe that police officers exist. He <laughs> believes that he could just be every police officer. Yeah. So. He
0: is the, he is the police. Uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, so we thought we'd jump in here and, uh, give you a little bit of, um, uh, kind of a mini ketchup, not really a ketchup, but just kind of, What's what's hot right now? What are people talking about? The big Marvel movie, the big Netflix genre show. So we're going to talk Thor. We're going to talk Stranger Things. But before then, thoughts on today, as of this recording, the Emmy Award nominations have been released. Obviously, we don't have time to go through everything, but I just wanted to get some some reactions. Do you have any any reactions on these? I'll go through and read the nominees, but did you have I don't know how how caught up you are on these, Hunter? Any kind yeah, of uh, got reactions?
1: So, I um you know, I say it's kind of an unsurprising list. Um like, you know, you were expecting a lot of stranger things. I really I was expecting a good amount of Severance representation because that show does kind of check a lot of the boxes and Apple has Kind push of push for it too. They've been showing, yeah, and Apple's been pushing. And when a corporation like Apple pushes something, they have more money to push it than just about anybody else. Um, so I wasn't super surprised. So let me um, let I me read the, the I, drama
0: the drama nominees real quick because you that's where you started. So the nominees for best drama series are Better Call Saul, Euphoria, Ozark, Severance, Squid Game, Stranger Things, Succession, and Yellow Jackets.
1: So have you seen well, you haven't watched Ozark, right? But have you seen all
0: of these other shows that are on here? Uh I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't really plan on watching Ozark. Sorry, Danny. Uh <laughs> Danny it's... can fill us in. He told us it was blue. So that's <laughs> enough for me. But yeah. Out. Yeah, I, I guess I guess I have seen all of them, but but Ozark. Succession got the most love just across the board. It got the most yep. nominations. Uh, I'm surprised to see squid game here and not in limited, which I'll read in a second. Um, but I guess it's getting a second season. So it just has to by default, go in here. Um, I'm ready for the Saul sweep. Just let's, let's do it. It's the final season. I think technically six B might be eligible for next year's Emmys. So So the Saul sweep could come then. Yeah, I was going to ask how that works because of the whole, like,
1: splitting up your final season in two different windows. Um, Just going to throw this out there just as a preface to everything. The Emmys window is such nonsense on here. The fact that we have Squid Game, which came out, I think, approximately 100 years ago. (laughs) And Stranger Things, which just... Premiered its last episode, like last week, like ten days ago. um,
0: Saul that's on right now.
1: Saul <laughs> that's currently on. like this this is nonsense. These like collection of things that we've just decided arbitrarily to put together and pit against each other. but whatever. um really happy to see uh Saul get some love on here. Finally, you can give her your give her her flowers now, Ray
0: Seahorn, Emmy nominee. Ray for Um, that's supporting which you know that's not the emmys making that distinction that's amc and the producers putting her in supporting because they think that she might have a better shot of winning that category by all means she is a co-lead of the show at this point um but yeah finally oh my gosh so overdue to get that nom and and i hope she wins it i mean she's up against like Sarah Snook and some other um, Succession co-stars, but I I really am happy she got the nom, and I'm hoping she wins.
1: So I was looking at that. I was surprised they didn't put her in lead, and maybe it's just because I actually haven't seen any of these shows that the lead actresses were in. I know Tony Collette uh, for The Staircase, Julia Gardner for Inventing Anna, Lily James for Pam and Tommy, Sarah Paulson. You're looking at Teach limited. Men. That's limited. Oh, am I looking at limited? Oh, oh, Lee. oh, okay. So it's Rachel. Oh, okay. It's kind of Rachel Brazahan for Marvelous Maisel. Abbott Elementary. That was kind of surprising seeing so
0: much Abbott Now Elementary. you're looking at comedy. See, this is the thing with television. God, is dude, there's too many fucking categories on here. The The thing, the thing is like, we're at a point right now with television that they need to change the way they do these categories. Because Barry is not a comedy. It doesn't make sense for Barry to be next to Abbott Elementary. Like that just, it's so bizarre. Here are the here are the nominees for Outstanding Comedy Series. Abbott Elementary, Barry, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Hacks, Only Murders in the Building, Ted Lasso, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, and What We Do in the Shadows. I feel like Barry really sticks out from that because that's, that it's show not a is comedy. Yeah, that show is comedic <laughs> elements but it's a drama. It's like one of the heaviest dramas on television. So definitely
1: one of the bleakest uh, shows on television. Like, I think in this, if we're comparing like the last season of TV that we saw, I laughed a lot more in the last season of of, uh, Succession than I did in the latest season of Barry. So like, you could just completely flip those two if you really wanted to. But I think it's because it's one of those things where, you know, it's the same thing that happened with the, awards that we no longer talk about the golden globes where just a win in drama means more
0: than a win in comedy. Um, yeah, it's like drama by default is like the best picture equivalent of the Emmy awards. Yeah. The closing, that's what
1: you end the ceremony on is on the drama winner. Um, there's too many, I've said this, this, and the Grammys are the worst version of this, but too many awards. Um, Like too many nominees or too many (laughs) nominees. Like some things have like six nominees. Some like supporting actors in a drama has, I think it's eight. Yeah. Eight nominees. It's too many. Just do five, maybe six. And they've kind of
0: also backtracked on their um, diversity representation rates. Um, Like if you look at lead actor in a comedy series, the only person of color is Donald Glover. The rest are all white men, talented white men. You got Bill Hader. You got Steve Martin, Martin Short, Jason Sudeikis, Nicholas Holt. Like not to fault these guys' talent, but I feel like the Emmys for a while were doing a really good job at kind of like making sure to show the the wide variety of faces that we see on television. And this year, it seems to like maybe have taken a setback. Um the cast of Squid Game is in there a good bit. So at least you have that. Um, but, um, but yeah, a lot, a lot of white faces, which, you know, it's not not the best look when you're trying to kind of represent the, the, the breadth of what television has to offer. And you could say the same thing about like just all these nominees in general. I'm not super upset from these nominees. Obviously, I'm glad Succession and Better Call Saul are are in there. I'm glad Severance is in there. Adam Scott is now an Emmy nominee for Severance, which I'm really Mm -hmm. excited about. Um, Ted Lasso is kind of the reigning champ over on the comedy side. So we'll see if it kind of keeps that crown. I'm glad to see Hacks getting a lot of love on that end. Um, The limited category is kind of what's giving me pause. Yeah, because, well, I will say,
1: I because I, you know, overall, the actual nominees for Best Limited Series are not my favorite thing in the world, but I do love seeing all the White Lotus love. Between supporting, it's got to clean nobody, up, right? It's got to be the so one. So here's the thing is that they, I don't think that they have a single nominee in lead actor or actress for a limited series, but there's five nominees in Supporting Actress from The White Lotus and the between Connie Britton, Jennifer Coolidge, Alexander Daddario, Natasha Rothwell and Sydney Sweeney. And then another 3 nominees for supporting actor with uh Murray, Murray Bartlett, uh Jake Lacy and Steve Zahn. Murray Bartlett has to win, right? He. It's like the to. most that this is like it's kind of the perfect ideal situation in which a like a very give me awards type performance aligns with an actual like really quality once in a lifetime type performance that's they just they got to give it to our guy
0: honestly I could see them fumbling the bag on this one though and then they're like Seth Rogen for Pam and Tommy or one of these dope sick guys dope sick a show no one has watched (laughs) that's the thing is like you know you always get that show in there that's like who watched that did anyone watch that but, uh, but yeah, the, the nominees for, for limited anthology are Dope Sick, Inventing Anna, Pam and Tommy, The Dropout, and White Lotus, which I think is the worst selection in this category in years. Years. Because this has been a really strong category in, in recent years. Last year, The Queen's Gambit won, and it was nominated alongside... Uh, Mayor of Easttown, I May Destroy You, Underground Railroad. The year before that, Watchmen won. The year before that, Chernobyl won. Like, this has been a really strong category. And the fact, and, and Twitter is already blowing up about this, the fact that we don't have Midnight Mass in here, and the fact that we don't have Station 11 in here is egregious. Like, this was the chance to nominate these two amazing shows. That's what this category is for. Like, <laughs> come on, what happened? I don't, I don't get it, but you know, whatever. I I hope white Lotus gets it as some type of consolation. I hope so too. Uh,
1: I, I think that it will based on like the sheer number of acting nominations that it has, it's probably, it's also like got the whole thing where it's, um, delivering a social message, but in a very digestible yes. way for people where a show like I May Destroy You, uh, which was the best show of the year when it came out, um, was a little bit too hard to swallow for some uh, stuffy white collar Hollywood people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that uh, White Lotus, will win. you're right though. I No Midnight Mass, uh, no
0: Station Eleven is insane like how Hamish Patel did get in there for acting that's the one I'm going to be watching on Emmy night and that's going to be I always have one category that I'm like this needs to happen that's going to be my one is I need Hamish Patel for Station Eleven to win he probably won't (laughs) probably not so did not let
1: me double check something did nobody yeah there was literally no nominations for Midnight Mass at all
0: justice for Hamish Linklater. I that's insane.
1: Oh, they who oh, cool they got a nomination for outstanding sound editing. Sick. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Hamish Patel gave my single favorite like my single favorite performance in anything Linklater. last year. Ha, yeah, Hamish
0: Linklater. Um He's for his- fucking phenomenal in that it's show. It's incredible.
1: It's so singular and man yeah just go tragic. go watch
0: midnight mass on netflix everyone it's it's truly a tremendous show um but yeah that's the emmys um you know a lot of good stuff some questionable stuff um shout out to bill Hader. you fucking rock um i hope that uh he d- does he have an emmy he must have won at this point right um also shout out to uh, Abbott Elementary for, yeah, Bill Hader has won three Emmys. Okay, good. I'm sure, yeah, SNL stuff. Um, Abbott Elementary for continuing to fly, to fly the the network TV flag. There's always one show in the era of streaming. There's always one show that's like, hey, basic network TV. We're still here. We're still here, everyone. Have you ever watched this show, Abbott Elementary? No, I haven't. I uh, It's all on Hulu. I recommend it. It's it's I think that we we need to hold on to shows like this that are just like so simple and easy and like don't require any type of effort at all. And you just kind of have it on kind of like that office type of vibe, you know, where it's just like it's a nice mellow show yeah it's like a nice warm blanket it's just like it's
1: nice and pleasant and you don't have to think too hard about it and yeah um i will say uh i don't care one way or another because i have not watched the show and i never will uh because i'm not middle-aged and living in the suburbs um but no this is us for its final season was kind of surprising Oh wow, seemed, I didn't even clock that. that yeah. Moms seemed like moms everywhere thing, are seething right now. Yeah, I well because you talked about how Twitter's irate about no uh midnight mass. I'm sure Facebook is on fire right now by the <laughs> lack of this disaster representation. Um kind of it's kind of shocking that there wasn't cuz that show got nominations yeah in the past. It so was, I don't know it, why was it, it was it was flying that season.
0: network flag for yeah, a while. Yeah, it didn't
1: get that that last season bump that a lot of these award shows get but um who knows uh hopefully one day I'll be able to fucking watch the new season of Better Call Saul AMC has just made it as difficult as possible
0: so I guess I didn't set your DVR I told you to set your DVR Hunter I don't I just want to watch it AMC
1: listen I'm (laughs) I'm gonna talk straight to the camera real quick Mr. AMC If I can address you as such, can you please let me watch your Only fucking good show that you have on your network, please. This is all that I'm asking for you. I'll watch Talking Saul afterwards with Chris Hardwick. I'll do whatever it takes. I just want to be able to watch your show, and you're making it as difficult as possible because it's not streaming anywhere. You have a streaming service called AMC Plus, and you don't have the show on the service. It's
0: ridiculous. You know what I was what I was trying to do the other day? I was trying to see if it was available via VPN through Netflix. Cause there are some countries that have better that call Saul through VPN. And for mm. some reason now that's not even a thing where you have to, for some reason, travel to the physical country to watch it Boo. through Netflix and you can't VPN it, but here. All right. To out AMC. All right. Stop listening. AMC go away. I'm, I'm going to bootleg my dvr recordings for you okay okay
1: thank you i just want to be able to catch up i'll fucking, i'll pay for like a month of youtube tv or whatever i have to do to watch it live but now but you can't,
0: can't you can't now can't. because it already it already it already happened
1: that's the problem is that i can catch up up to this point like if i could just catch up up to this point then i'll be fine but there's no way to watch like the first six episodes of this season it's insane Truly yeah. just baffling. I can't wait for AMC to go back to just complete irrelevance. So it's all ends in the next month and a half.
0: All right. Well, that's the Emmys. Let's shift gears a little bit to um, the shores of new Asgard in a uh, nondescript Scandinavia, Norway area. Um, I see a a uh, little ice cream parlor with a infinity gauntlet. It says infinity cones. What must this be? Is this the set of Taika Waititi's latest film, Thor Love and Thunder? Whoa, this,
1: we've arrived. Wait, real quick, um, because you you mentioned uh, nondescript Scandinavia, Netherlands, Norway region. Um, would this movie be Better or worse, if like right alongside the center, if you took all of Cork's scenes and replaced them with Alexander Alexander Skarsgard as Amleth from the North, oh, Bend, just yes. lugging around just <laughs> with just full underbite, how how would that affect this movie?
0: That would be incredible. I would watch I the shit should, out of it. We should that. pitch that cut. All right. So before we dive into this movie, quick Quick uh, little bit of background here for the listeners. Um, how do you feel about Thor? I He's your favorite Avenger, right? The original Thor film is your number one MCU movie.
1: Yeah, so long-time listeners know I'm a big fan of Dutch angles, and I like especially needless Dutch angles. When you can just see a guy walking towards you, but it's like a little bit crooked, that's my favorite type of thing. Um, no, I think that uh, the first two Thor movies are – the two worst movies in the MCU. Um, I've said that before. I don't know what the hell Kenneth Branagh was thinking with making the first Thor movie. And then if you read about, about anything about the production of um, um, the sequel, uh, I'm blanking on name, the Thor Dark 2. World. The Dark. World. You don't World. know Malick. For some reason, I went to dark Into Darkness, and I was like, <laughs> that's Star Trek. Not, not quite. Um, no, uh, the Dark World. Uh, the production they went through multiple director directors in the making of that film uh to the point where natalie portman isn't even in some scenes and they had to cgi uh chris hemsworth's real life wife with a wig on to play natalie portman some scenes um that movie's awful both of them are really bad and i think that that was kind of because they didn't really know what to do with the Thor character, they tried to almost take like this, like stoic, godlike approach. Because it's the, f- I mean, it's the first god that they really had in this MCU as we've seen it. And so they were just like, well, he's a god, so we can't make him have fun. Um, then, of course, during the making of Thor, or just post Thor: The Dark World, um Chris Hemsworth has been kind of audible. He went to Kevin Feige and was just like. I'm Basically, sickness. like, at, like, almost a mental breakdown of, like, I can't play this character anymore, like, I, I can't be myself in this character, I'm just, like, sleepwalking through all of these goddamn movies, and then insert Taika Waititi and Thor Ragnarok, Rock. and it's a whole new look at this character, it's Chris Hemsworth getting to be his fun, charismatic self, the Chris Hemsworth that we know and love, um, and that is one well, the Chris of my Hemsworth favorite that we, movies in the entire MCU.
0: We didn't know we could even have. I think that that the genius of that movie was showing audiences that side of Hemsworth in the first place, you know? Cause that, I guess maybe some people had seen the 2016 Ghostbusters at that mm-hmm. point, but most people really hadn't. This was like the first glimpse at like, oh, you're not only hot as fuck, you're also like really funny um and yeah uh funny enough Ragnarok one of the first movies we talked about on this podcast um oh Oh, yeah 2017
1: yeah I guess that was it was like November 2017
0: yeah um and I think a movie that holds up pretty well I haven't revisited in full in a in a couple years but I I feel like if I did I would I would really like it I I feel like a lot, I mean, we'll get into it, but a lot of the the villain stuff in this movie, um with with Christian Bale isn't as memorable or sorry, is more memorable than the Kate Blanchett stuff in that movie. Um, when I think of Thor Ragnarok, I don't think about Kate Blanchett. I think about Thor and I think about the the you know kind of the energy between him and Valkyrie and Hulk and Jeff Goldblum and Loki and everything that's going on there I don't really think about Hela um I think um you know when you compare it to this new movie the the Christian Bale side of things is a lot more memorable um when when you're you know just looking at like the villains of the movie um but yeah I uh, I think that the 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 Ragnarok of it all is worth mentioning going into this movie because that was a huge reinvention of the character and this seemed to on first glance kind of double down on that and and it seemed to give us like all of that and then some
1: um well but i mean before we even get into love and thunder should also say not only did it reinvent Chris Hemsworth and kind of shine a new light on him but it did the same thing with Taika Waititi we were familiar with Taika from like something like what we do in the shadows which is fucking incredible Hump for the Wilder People which is also just a banger of a movie probably like the most emotionally deep that any of Taika's movies have actually gone to um and he was for the most part this kind of indie filmmaker made some comedies with his friends uh but the vast majority of the country did not know who taika was and this put him on the map in a huge way and now taika is probably what would you say one of the 10 15
0: most powerful directors in hollywood like he's I don't know now about directed... powerful but he's definitely working and he's well, definitely he's... everywhere i'm just saying i'm
1: Powerful, I maybe powerful isn't the right choice of word, but he is now. This is a second Marvel movie. He's got a Star Wars, uh, multiple Star Wars things down the line.
0: He's he directed, was already, yeah, Mandalorian episodes,
1: direct Mandalorian episodes. He was already in a show this year, acting, um, Our Flag Means
0: Death, which um, he is genuinely great in. And the, yep. the Twitter backlash against Taika is in full force. At this point, people are turning on this man, and uh I think it's pretty expected just because of how high profile he is and how kind of in the the front of the camera, you know he he plays Korg in this movie. he's literally in the movie, and he can't help but like insert himself into so much of his work. So it's only natural for somebody that high profile to get to a place where people start turning on him um but yeah i think that he is a singular voice and i think that he comes into the mcu from this different angle from where it was before he came in and kind of shakes it up for the better and kind of improves it in a lot of ways but i think that this movie is in a lot of ways people not really vibing with his shtick anymore. And also, you know, I think that he just can't, he's doing too much. and He can't can't, help himself. He he cannot help himself. He can't help himself, but he also can't give himself over to a single project all the way is the other Mm. thing, right? Because he's acting over here. He's producing over there. He's directing this and that. He's really spread thin, so no project is going to have his full creative juices going fully into it. Right. So I think a, a lot of the, the pushback against this movie is because it is more Taika than Ragnarok, but also it's like it's a lot more watered down as a movie in a lot of ways. And I love this movie. I, I, I enjoyed it a lot. I'm not, but I'm not here to defend this movie, right? I've heard all the criticisms. I I can, I can, uh, I have time for pretty much every criticism that you want to throw at this movie. I also wrote an article for the website, uh, webottomike.net that people can check out that uh, lays out a lot of my thoughts on it. And maybe we can use it as kind of a outline for our discussion here. But mm-hmm. I, uh I had a good time sitting in the theater watching this movie. Am I going to think about it that much afterwards? No. Uh, But it's, I don't know. I think when it comes down to how I feel about this movie, I think that for some reason, things were lined up perfectly for me to receive this movie as it was and not try to put it in any other box and I something clicked in which I understood how stupid this movie is how juvenile and nonsensical and also in a lot of ways how low effort it is and how like uh, Taika just kind of didn't care (laughs) he just didn't fucking give a shit about like making like a good movie (laughs) For some reason, like all of these things like kind of click for me and I was able to enjoy it. And, and sure, there's a lot of things that don't work and, and, uh, you know, it's not a perfect movie. I gave it a three and a half out of five, which I think is pretty generous. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll get into some, some criticisms, but for some reason it, it, it didn't really, uh, disappoint me or anger me or anything like that. Just because I was like, you know what? This is so dumb. This is so fucking stupid that I'm just going to accept it as it is. And I'm going to have fun. So that those are my thoughts. What are yours? So it's interesting because I agree with a lot of the things that you
1: said about it being, uh, stupid and juvenile and feeling low effort but i did not love this movie um this movie so back up a little bit here um this movie to me kind of is like the perfect encapsulation of how i feel about everything phase four of marvel where it just kind of feels like it's it feels pointless and I don't mean that in like that I want this to lead like it has to lead to secret wars I don't care about any of that like YouTube theory building bullshit like I don't mean pointless as in like it has to lead to all of our friends coming together out of portals to fight one big bad guy I mean that in the way of like it feels like I wasted my time after seeing this movie like this movie just felt like a waste of two and a half hours of my life that I will never ever get back. And then I left it and I was like, did I feel anything at all? No, no, I didn't feel a goddamn thing while watching this. Like I, I didn't find it to be particularly fun. Um, there's a couple of sequences that look, that look pretty good, look interesting. At least there are some choices made, but for the most part, I think that a lot of this movie looks like absolute dog shit. Like, I think that it looks like truly one of the worst Marvel movies in years. It's shadow monsters and shooting shadow monsters in nighttime. Like, for all the people who are complaining about the uh, um, battle for Winterfell scene, like, that whole thing in Game of Thrones, that was just running through my head because I was – in a movie theater, in a dark movie theater, and I'm, like, squinting my eyes at the screen, (laughs) trying to be like, what the fuck am I even looking at right now? And it kind of just feels like a lot of people just didn't really try. It felt like, oh, we're, like, we're five years since the last Thor movie. I guess we got to shit out another one of those things. (laughs) And it just, there's, like, kind of sequences that feel like a better movie encompassed in here, and it almost feels like, we got the worst possible version of this project like we got all of the bad seeds and it's just nitpicking from like six different movies and cramming it together so it's a goddamn tonal master- tonal
0: the wh- the tonal whiplash it's, is it's insane so
1: insane i don't want to get into spoilers or anything like that cuz we can reserve a little bit discussion for that but let's say that one of the characters uh is not doing well health-wise, uh, there is a cancer that's subplot. That's not a that's spoiler. That's in the comics. <laughs> well,
0: well, it's a okay, direct everything's adaptation. Everything's in the fucking
1: comics. But like, there's, there's a cancer subplot to this story. So we go from that to like- They uh,
0: really, really watered that down. I think that- Of course they did. The, the, the Jane Foster part of this movie, look, Natalie Portman is a queen. And I mm-hmm. hope that she got a huge paycheck from this. That is that is, the, I'm sure the that biggest.
1: Gave, just to get her to come back after she was so hard out after Thor 2, I'm sure yeah. that they had to cut her a massive check.
0: She's a very talented actor. Um, she doesn't really get to flex her acting chops, but she does get to flex her muscles in this movie. And I'm happy for her. She gets to have fun wielding the hammer, doing her thing. And, you know, good for her. The actual, like, dramatic heft of her storyline is so half-assed. It's mm. so, it's so it's, nothing. It's,
1: it's so bad. Like, it's, it's, like, laughable. Like, truly it is. There was a few times. But not where because it, like, of her.
0: She's no, no, fine.
1: No, that's the thing. It's not because of her. I will say, I actually think that pretty much everybody acting, like, did a great job. Like, I think Chris is, like, trying her, to do Her comedic
0: thing. attempts um, are kind of shaky, but maybe yeah, that's, well, that's the point.
1: That's not great. Natalie Portman also, uh, you don't cast Natalie Portman for her like comedic timing. Um, Hey,
0: the, that one she, rap she did on SNL is like the best comedic thing she's ever done. That was fucking amazing.
1: Yeah, that was great. She also didn't write that. Um, and <laughs> so, We'll get to Christian Bale because I think he is, by a country mile, the best thing about this movie and the only thing that I care about right. at all, to be honest. I wish um, I wish I that save, was the
0: movie. Yeah, right? I want
1: to save, like, a whole segment for Christian Bale. But before we get to that, um, if we're just talking about Biggest Loser, of this movie, I think it's Taika. Dude, like, this is the first movie I was, like, annoyed. Like, I just, this whole time while watching this movie, it just was, like, I could not stop rolling my eyes at, like, Almost every other line because
0: Well, especially people make fun he's of Josh... saying half of the line.
1: <laughs> yeah, people make fun of like Joss Whedon and how like he injected this like uh like joke per minute count. This is like the most notable. I maybe it isn't as high as like some of the like as like the first Avengers maybe as the joke per minute count. And I do think that's a lot worse that Tyka does insert himself <laughs> in scenes for literally no goddamn reason. Like, why is Korg there. Like, there's, <laughs> I just kept thinking, he one, he looks like shit. Like, it looks it's so rough. much worse yeah. than he looks in Ragnarok. There's a close it's up
0: a- of his face at the beginning that is so noticeably like way worse than he was in Ragnarok. And I was like, oh, no,
1: (laughs) they like there is that Twitter thing going around where it's uh, Taika and Tessa Thompson talking and like almost joking about like, does that look real to you talking about Korg?
0: That's so shitty. They're shitting on the fucking VFX artists that are working so hard yeah it's so bad
1: it just it looks so bad and like he's just in scenes where like he doesn't even talk and so it's so glaring that you just have like a cgi atrocity just like standing there <laughs> hulking in the background just for no goddamn reason or maybe it was just like guard. Out one little one little like one liner that doesn't land at all um that i just i was really annoyed this honestly like I wasn't. I've become more and more lukewarm on Jojo Rabbit as time has gone on.
0: That that is the movie that's we, aged well. Didn't we see that together? I think we did. Yeah. and I liked it. We in the we were it that. I don't. I don't remember being that high on it myself. Out of the theater, I remember being a little bit more mixed on it. Um, I remember and,
1: liking it, but it's a movie that I don't care to ever watch again. Which now kind of, it's one of those things where you walk out of here and you're like, I enjoyed that. But it's like, do you ever want to see it again? No. Then was not really that great to begin with? Um, and now between, at, coming off of JoJo is a little bit of a down. And this, I think, I hope that this is as low as he gets. Um, since he's scraping the Star Wars well, we'll fucking see. It, we might just not even have reached the floor yet of Taika. Well, but he has I, that movie
0: Next Door wins coming out. next next goal goal wins wins.
1: Mm -hmm. yeah the soccer movie which you know he's doing this one for you one for me thing where he's trying to also get an oscar while playing in the marvel machine and you know and also
0: acting in uh, one flag uh or our flag and then producing what we do in the shadows and then doing all these other things
1: he puts his name on like a billion things i mean even like who knows how actually involved he is but like he's willing to slap his name on something like reservation dogs and then yeah. that can taiko itt presents reservation dogs that gets that shit on the front of Hulu um, also he
0: was in free guy remember he's the no because guy. that's not
1: a real movie um that's <laughs> not a real movie and I'll never actually watch it um I he's think so right. epic. I think it's coming down to like maybe he's stretching himself too thin to the point where he can never fully actually invest in one project I don't know I just this movie just kind of got on my nerves i would never i was watching this with uh with gaia and the first 45 minutes to an hour of this movie i think are like truly horrendous and gaia looked at me and said i think i might leave and i might just have to come pick you up in an hour and a half like she was just so hard out the like that's so rushed funny. in storylines the fact that we're just gonna have to play like the game of Korg's just gonna tell us everything that's happened over the last uh 15 movies and also catch yeah. us up on what thor has been up to in the meantime yeah it just felt so previously on and so unnecessary why are the guardians even in this movie like why i just that, give me, that just, could just have been that a that whole, whole movie, movie. Make that whole movie. That sounds fun. Like, if you just want to make a Guardians movie, then let's just make a fucking Guardians movie. I don't know, man. It's just, it's so all over the place. I felt like I was just being jerked around in every different direction in the theater. And let me tell you, my audience was just not feeling it at all. I know you went opening night. I didn't go until um, Monday night after. But there was still a decent amount of people in the crowd. And people were not feeling it. Um, I did a thing that I have not done in a long time, which is I did not watch the post credit scene. Yo, you um, Miss
0: Roy I was, Kent. No, I, I read about there. I,
1: I read about it. I read about it. It's every fucking I was at a point where I was just completely after two hours and 20 minutes. I was like, you've had enough of my time. Um, I can only listen to sweet child of mine so many times <laughs> in the course of two and a half hours. It plays three times, my guy. There is more than one Guns N' Roses song. Oh wait, no, they also play Welcome to the Jungle one time. So we have one time of Welcome Paradise to the Jungle. Paradise City? Okay. All right. I think okay.
0: November I think November rain's in there too. Does um.
1: November rain? Oh, well, okay. Then I missed that. I just know they play Sweet Child of Mine three goddamn times, and that's too many times.
0: Um, but Hunter, Thor has a sweet child at the end of the film. It's love and thunder, together. (laughs)
1: Um, Dude, I don't, I can't get over how bad a lot of this movie looked. Like, and it just kind of like flippantly looks bad. Like, I just kind of think about whenever they, I've been thinking about this movie a lot since I saw it uh, last night. And one thing I keep thinking about is, like, whenever they go to the, like, god world and everything, oh, there's Russell so Grub. much potential for that to be really cool. And it's just kind of, like, very much just, like, looks like shit. And not even, like, <laughs> trying to look good. Like, those little, like, guards that are coming and eventually fight with Thor, he just, like, kills them and they just turn to gold. But yeah, it they just it honestly, poof. It, it kind of looks like piss, to be honest. Like it looks like it looks like like dehydrated urine. I'm not even saying that to be like gross. It reminded me a lot of um, I know that you have not seen this movie, but the 2017 film Power Rangers. Oh um, hell no! In that movie, uh, I think it's Elizabeth. Is it Elizabeth Banks? Yeah. Yes, Elizabeth Banks plays the villain in that film, and she like turns everything to gold. And I remember seeing in the theater, I couldn't stop laughing because. It has pretty much the exact same CGI effect, and it looks so bad. This, like, dark yellow liquidy juice that's supposed to represent gold, and it's kind of the same effect as used in this, and it just looks really bad. Um, I never felt anything because Taika obviously I don't even think wanted us to feel anything with the fact right. that he's just constantly willing to just like undercut every single dramatic beat that's in here.
0: Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, that's the thing is that in Ragnarok, you know, that I love that movie, but that movie struggles with some of the tonal kind of whiplash a little bit where it is telling this heavy story about Thor losing everything. He loses his, his, Uh, weapon, his eyeball, his hair, his entire fucking Asgard planet home, like he loses everything. And also it's like this fun, funny kind of deconstruction of the Marvel superhero story with jokes and all these things. So I think that that's kind of where Taika is able to do his thing where he's able to find a way through the tones, you know, like what we do in the shadows is a very violent movie, but it's also hilarious and weird and kind of cringe comedy, uncomfortable humor type of deal. He's able to navigate these tones really well. Jojo, I think was like the first time that it started to get a little shaky. Cause it's like, all right, we're talking, we're talking Hitler. We're talking Holocaust. We're talking, you know, like Nazi Germany here, but we're also doing kind of like this whimsical coming of age tale, which I know it won him an Oscar, but it's like, uh, are we sure about this? And here it's like, it's the same deal. It's like, we're leading so, so hard into the whimsy, colorful, just bubblegum pop and also trying to have this like heavy story about cancer and about gore the god butcher trying to kill all the gods and it doesn't quite work and it doesn't mesh nearly as well as he's able to do it in his other movies, I think that the reason why it worked for me is because I was kind of able to hold on to the parts that did work and let the ones that didn't kind of wash over me and it it wasn't as much of a deal breaker throughout the movie and honestly like i i did laugh a lot i don't know if it was my theater or if it was my mood that day but like a lot of the humor i was just like man this is so stupid but it's working for me i i, I guess that that's just like my style of humor like the screaming goats i laughed every time screaming every time did. it got me
1: <laughs> that was funny i think the screaming goats is a good bit and honestly the stuff with um <laughs> More the most chemistry in this movie is Chris Hemsworth with uh, Storm... That's hilarious! Storm Ritter. That's It's so good of him just like looking the, at the other and then just wheel. floating into frame. That was genuinely great. Like Such that actually made bit. me just laugh really hard. <laughs> and that was a whole thing that was happening. Yeah,
0: and, and Tyka Tyka's not, he's not interested we saw this again with Ragnarok he's not interested in really Diving into like the serious drama of the first two Thor movies that's being completely thrown out the window. He wants to tell a story that's really, really flimsy and just kind of like whatever. And I think that people aren't really vibing with that because I don't know. I've I've even seen some people try to reclaim the first two Thor movies and now they're saying that like oh, those were that. actually good. <laughs> now, just because the guys, reception to this movie is I, so negative.
1: <laughs> guys, I have bad listeners, I have bad news for you. Everything from your childhood isn't good. Um I'm sorry. <laughs> We we aren't reclaiming the first two Thor movies. We aren't reclaiming Fant4stick as being good. Some, we aren't reclaiming the prequels, the Star Wars prequels. Those are bad. Sometimes <laughs> movies are just bad, and they can just be bad, and they can stay bad. They don't instantly become, like, reevaluated, and becoming good. They're just bad things. So um, someone who's never bad is Christian Bale. So, so um, this is actually—I have, have a point about Christian Bale that kind of transitions into talking about him, but I think that it's— ironically Christian Bale is the best part about this movie and also I think he might be the worst thing for this movie as a whole and what I mean by that is whenever you got something like somebody like Hella in Ragnarok she's such like a classic like a dumb villain that doesn't really have like a dramatic arc that we're supposed to relate to or anything that's supposed to make us really care for her as a person where it's like ah oh, you're just
0: She's kind of. their sister that's that's really it
1: yeah she's their sister but also you met her by anthony hopkins dying and like his dying wish was like hi um also fella you have you a, got sister. a sister <laughs> and she's she's really strong and um, evil and then she appears um so like that's kind of all that we get as far as hella goes and so we, i think it helps whenever you're trying to make like a really campy comedic heavy superhero movie to not also have the like very brooding, dramatic, um, intense backstoried villain that we're supposed to also like empathize with while also still wanting to like watch our friends have fun and make like silly jokes with screaming goats at the same Mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. So like it, it, doesn't really again talking about that tonal whiplash that you're having um gore is the best part about this movie and i think part of the reason is because i'm like yo kill your masters gore like let's fucking do this let's kill the gods Fuck
0: the gods let's yeah
1: fucking go he's got the right <laughs> idea
0: and the way they buy you into that idea in the jump like from the jump in the first scene is perfect like From the first shot of this movie, I was like, oh, fuck, here we go, dude. Here we fucking go. And I was so, so into that first scene. And it all kind of starts to unravel after that once you actually start to get into the, you know, the Valkyrie and New Asgard and the Infinity Cones and the Old Spice commercials and all that. But that first scene with Christian Bale was like, this is the movie right here. Holy fuck. And Bale isn't really in the movie that much at the end of the day. Like he gets that amazing first scene. He pops in and out throughout. Um, and every time he comes on the screen, it is absolutely magnetic. He's so evil. He's so like, just deliciously sinister. Like, oh my mm. God, the way they designed his look, his teeth, his like gray, black and white skin, incredible everything about that character incredible it's just too bad that it doesn't gel with everything else that this movie is trying to do the one moment where i do think it does work is when they go to that black and white world and fight him and um we get that whole moment of him kind of holding all of them hostage there and and having that confrontation i think that is the best scene in the entire movie um just because Bale just kind of gets to go nuts that entire scene like that's why you get bail for that scene um and then at the end when he um brings back his his daughter i think his his acting is really good there too and kind of just kind of ties a, a neat little bow at the end of the movie but other than that he's he's not in it that much you know i don't know How much he was really on set, really. Yeah, what his actual screen time was. Well, I mean, a lot of his stuff is
1: practical, like the makeup and stuff that they put on him. He actually did, like, lose a shit ton of weight and everything. He did the, you know, it's Christian Bale. He did the fucking Christian Bale thing where he just loves, my man loves to put on and lose 100 pounds compulsively. Um, Yeah, he actually got the necrosword, dude. He went that method where he got possessed. He went to the center of the universe. <laughs> um, no, I think that he like he is he's fucking great in this movie. And I think that part of it, I i don't I've seen a few people online saying this. So this isn't like an original take them saying. But of the irony that it's been 10 years since he was last in Dark Knight a- Rises, Dark Knight Rises, Um and he most notably got famous for playing a superhero and now he's kind of channeling a joker-esque type role of trying to have that like full like very like sinister chaotic type of energy and i think that maybe that is a whole thing of like he saw how the joker is such a impacting such a an everlasting figure of those movies that that's one of the things that drew him towards wanting to be a villain in the story um I I think that he is he's so good that scene that you're talking about um where they go to the planet where all the color is washed out which is I kind of that whole stretch in the middle act is the best part of the movie in my opinion I think that's the part where you don't have it it It's the most part of the movie that feels singular where a lot of the other movies feels like we're jumping around to all these different ideas at the same time. And like
0: it's doing something we haven't really seen any of these Marvel movies do before. That's the other thing is that a lot of this movie does look really kind of not great. And that scene is like, oh, my God, they're actually like trying something different for this sequence. Well, I mean, even more than
1: that, like, before that scene actually starts, the scene where they're on the, um, I don't remember what it's called, where they're on the big boat and the ghosts are taking them. And, like, the way that it's visualized the world around them is so vibrant and looks so beautiful. And kind of seeing that color slowly get washed out of the frame, that whole sequence, that that sequence right there of the color of how bright and vibrant is and seeing that get washed away, that is, like, the best visual point in a Marvel movie in a long time. Mm-hmm. Just kind of having that that true visual representation of, like, entering into the darkness – well, the shadows fucking awesome. That's it, the it whole thing the about shadows.
0: this 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 character is that he is using shadows. Like there's a lot of shots of shadows and these shadow monsters and the way the monsters are actually animated where they look kind of like stop motion-y. I loved all that. It was so well done. But I
1: I will say to push back a little bit, um, the scene in which you were talking about where Christian Bale is cooking, my man is out there cooking. He is acting his goddamn ass off, calling out each and every one of them while he has Shadow Monsters holding them. That's one of those scenes where I'm, like, squinting my eyes. I'm like, are there, are like, black vines that are holding them? What am I looking at here in the background? A little
0: too murky. Um, yeah, I, I did murky. IMAX 3D and... I I thought it looked great in IMAX 3D, so.
1: So, I mean, maybe that's a thing, but I still saw it like in a movie theater. So if I saw it in a movie theater, it doesn't look great. Right. It's going to look like shit at home. Like when you're watching it on your uh, television at home with the sunlight interfering and everything else, like it's not going to age well. Um, That scene, though, at least it has the benefit of being black and white. Some of the other scenes with the shadow monsters look terrible. Like, when we first see the Shadow Monsters enter New Asgard.
0: That was rough.
1: <laughs> it's, it's like, I was, like, kind of offended by how bad it looked. And also, like, those know, kids that I'm get kidnapped. I'm sorry to, like, the 27 full-sale kids that are, live in our area that worked on this film or whatever. I don't know. They'll put up a yeah, goddamn not, billboard in the next week. It's not week. their fault. Um, it's not it's, your fault. Yeah, but
0: it's the studio. Dude,
1: It looks so bad. Like, I could not believe what I was looking at. I was like, oh, my God. Like, did we take, like, and maybe it's even more notable because before the movie started, you get the trailer for Avatar Way of the Water, which
0: looks fantastic.
1: We'll see how that movie is, like, as a movie. It might be, like, very mid-story-wise, but it's kind of unbelievable how good that movie looks in comparison Incredible. to something like this like-
0: also also just just that scene there's like a huge battle happening and these kids are still sleeping in their beds when i saw that i like my mouth dropped i was like what why are you still asleep it's Find still shelter dumb, there's a lot like this movie's like really
1: dumb, like really, really dumb. I, and it I, kind of just wants you to just kind of give it like the forgiving, just passive like the ah no, it's fine. I'll be
0: fine. I will but, say like, if
1: you think about anything in this movie, it is it's a nightmare.
0: One one last thing that I wanted to bring up before we move on is talking about like moments that clicked for me in this movie, is when Thor. Rescues the kids at the end and gives them his power to help him fight the shadow monsters with his power. And you see this little mini army of children go full Thor mode fighting these monsters. I was like, "Oh, like a light bulb went off. A thunderbolt went off in my head where I was like, this this is it. taika as as flawed of a movie as this is. And, and, and I can't defend him that much, but I'll defend this. He understands that this is a movie for children. And in that scene, it, something clicked for me where I was like, he did not make this for the 40 something year old men complaining on YouTube about the MCU. He made this for kids for little kids that are going to go and see this movie and love it and love that moment where they get to go full Thor mode and, and, and go crazy on these shadow monsters. Like, I just love that. And I think that's what it's all about. And obviously that doesn't excuse a lot of the terrible decisions made in this movie, but that moment did a lot for me in making me kind of like just give myself over to really enjoying this movie. And I had enjoyed it a lot up until that point, but that kind of sealed the deal where I was like, oh, I get it. And also a lot of those kids are the actual kids of the directors and the producers and the actors and the people making the movie. Because this was a COVID production in Australia where things were like really locked down to try to contain the spread of COVID. So they they decided to like make the kids that moved to Australia to make this movie a part of the movie. So I I, th- I really love that scene. And it just spoke to me as to like, okay, there's something here that Taika gets as to what he's trying to do with this movie. It's really dumb. It's really silly. It's really messy. Uh, But at the end of the day, it's like, it's for the kids so um, i mean
1: i know i know taika loves working with kids and that's great and some of the sequences with the kids are fun like they're fun and lighthearted. um again visually i thought it didn't look great of kids with glowing eyes and everything in a very gray mushy background but hey good on you taika keep making movies with kids because that's your thing um i don't know dude this just like it's it's kind of just sat worse in my head like since I left the theater well to
0: that to that point I was going to ask you so this is the 29th movie in the MCU the Mm -hmm. 30th is going to be Wakanda forever and I think a lot of people are feeling the same way as you do where it's like something some of the magic is starting to wear off right like imagine if the MCU was like Walter White's methamphetamine And we were getting that, that sweet blue, uh, (laughs) temptation that, that, um, yeah, that crystal blue. Um, and that was like, that was like, you know, infinity war and game, like everything leading up to that. It was just like hitting so well. And now it's like, they're really diluting the product. They're trying They're trying so, you know, you got all these Disney plus shows and shit. They are going so, so diluted with this good shit. It's not even good shit anymore. So it's like, I feel like part of me is like, I'd like this movie, but I'm also like, I can understand that like, oh, I'm just, I'm just making do with the fact that it's something, you know? And I'm I'm just hitting that. I'm just hitting that crack pipe. And I'm like, oh, it's better than nothing. At least it makes me feel good. Whatever.
1: You're just being a good boy
0: and eating your Disney Marvel slop. Exactly. Um, but it's like I, there's there's something happening where people are realizing, like, hold on a second. Oh, this isn't going anywhere,
1: is it? Huh? We're <laughs> well, it's, just, not we're just it's not even that it's not going this, huh? anywhere.
0: Because I think it is fair to, like, expect we've been trained to watch these movies in a certain way to expect it all to, to build something. I think that I, I appreciate the fact that these movies haven't really been connecting that much because it's like, we already did that. Mm -hmm. And let's take this moment to not do that for a minute. I think it's more just aside from the fact that it's not connecting. I think that just across the board, they're just not as good. Yeah. And people aren't being like, they're, they're not vibing with that they're not being as accepting of that drop in quality
1: (laughs) i mean yeah that's the thing at the end of the day that's what i was getting is that like i don't really care if like these movies don't if they connect to secret wars or are leading to fucking jason sudeikis and the fantastic four or whatever like i don't really give a shit about any of that i more so care about them being good movies thor ragnarok works Thor ragnarok for the most part is kind of irrelevant to the whole Infinity War saga like that movie like other than it does a lot for the
0: character of Thor
1: yeah well it does a lot for that character but like other than like Asgard now being on Earth does that movie have any importance to like the history of what's going on in the universe no it's just like a one-off story that's fun and you know you get to kind of reinvent the character but you can do that in any of these movies If they're done well, I think the problem with this movie and with a lot of the movies in this new in this new phase that we're in right now is that it just kind of feels it feels rudderless more than feeling like it's not going anywhere. It's just like they're all over the place tonally Uh, like when you're comparing something like uh, the new um, the new Doctor Strange movie with this with Black Widow with Eternals and Shang-Chi like there's not not that there isn't cohesion as in like we're going to the same place but there isn't really cohesion as far as like a vision goes yeah and I don't mean a vision as far as again like big picture 10 years from now the big team up that where shang Chi's is going to be fighting alongside Harry Styles or whatever but like <laughs> I mean vision as far as like it, I don't know if Kevin Feige like put on cruise control a little bit too much after Endgame started well, kind of feeling. I think it's the shows
0: bit. too, they shouldn't be. That's, I think the shows that's the were whole a mistake. Other thing. What, like, why does
1: Moon Knight need to exist? <laughs>
0: like, I don't what know. Are you doing? I think that what they're trying to do is like replicate the experience of going to the comic book store, and it's like. When you go to a comic book store, you don't have to pick up every single Marvel book off the shelf to understand what's happening. Like, they want to kind of replicate that feeling where it's like all of this is out there, but you can kind of pick and choose the stories that you gravitate towards um, and not feel the need to like consume every single one. But the problem is that they're producing so many of these. In such a short amount of time that again, it's diluting the, <laughs> the, the, mm-hmm. the, the, perfect crystal blue sensation. And I don't know if they are going to be able to maintain this level of output. They, they need to figure something out. Cause it's not, I don't think it's looking too well, if this is the level of quality. That they expect all these movies to be while still doing the shows, something needs to change. Um, because I don't know if there's that much separating this movie from something like Moon Knight or Miss Marvel. It's you need you need to have a a more pronounced gulf in quality. (laughs) <laughs> between well, yeah, the movies be, and the shows yeah to be if able you're to expecting people that. to actually
1: pay the tickets to go yeah. see this movie you know and we won't really know and it might not make any difference because you know the sheep will love to eat their slob but i do wonder if the muted reactions to this and to dr strange like between that combined if and maybe it won't even affect Wakanda forever because Black Panther was kind of such a beloved film whenever it came out. But I do wonder if audiences are going to start to maybe not turn on this franchise, it's but already a, I think it's already happening. Instead of seeing $150 million happened. weekends, what if we start seeing $100 million weekends and like kind of starts to move that down and Marvel maybe doesn't become as sure of a thing because people are like, a: I'm already getting my Marvel fix at home with these shows. Right. B: I can just watch this movie. Like Thor's going to be out on Disney Plus in a month and a half. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I should just fucking wait a month and a half and just <laughs> watch it at home. I would have I lost absolutely nothing seeing this movie at yeah. home versus seeing it in theater. Um and I just kind of wonder if Disney maybe overplayed their hand a little bit with all these shows that You mentioned the whole like comic book thing that they're going for. I think that you're right that they want this to kind of feel like, you know, you can just
0: pick and choose your spots whenever you Mm -hmm. want to.
1: But that's that's
0: not, that's not a bad idea on paper. I like that idea. The problem is that again, we've gotten so many of these in such a compressed amount of time that it doesn't like, you can't expect the people working on these shows. To be able to reach the level of quality that we were used to getting before, you know, not to say that these were amazing movies to begin with. They've always had issues. They've always been flawed. But I think that there was like a, a consistent level of quality that has significantly dropped off in this phase. Um, well,
1: night. I... <laughs> You say that you don't have a problem with that, and, like, I don't in theory, but in execution, when we have to have uh, Korg giving, like, three different, like, flashback monologues about the things that you missed along the way, that I don't like because that is bad storytelling, and if we're having bad storytelling in a movie then that affects the whole quality of the movie like that works in a comic book because it's a comic book you're reading the whole thing anyways but on like the visual medium of a movie or of a tv show
0: you should be able to just jump in yeah
1: yeah there needs to be a universality to it where like like i still i haven't actually talked with anybody who's seen dr strange who hasn't watched uh wandavision because i feel like the beginning of Doctor Strange is kind of nonsense if you haven't seen right. WandaVision because right. it's like, well, wait, no, she was good in the last movie that I saw her in. What happened? Like that, and that movie kind of underexplains it, and this movie overexplains it. Where right. I don't know where the healthy balance is in between, or how to correctly visualize this previously on maybe we literally need like a previously (laughs) on
0: before the movie starts yeah just go full tv yeah yeah
1: like let's just fucking do it this is already television swap anyways just fucking just do a previously on before we get the
0: mcu uh opening title i wouldn't put it past them so so here's what i think is going to happen i think feige uh san diego comic-con is around the corner. He's going to announce the game plan for the next few years. He's probably going to announce the next Avengers movie. We're going to see a more detailed, you know, kind of roadmap of where all this is going. I don't think that that guarantees that the quality is going to improve. I think that based on what we've seen so far, this might be what we get moving forward. And I think that look, by the time we get to the end of that roadmap that he's about to unveil, we're going to look back and we're going to be like, oh no, this did not go as well as the previous time that they did this. Because when we got to Endgame, it was like, holy shit, he did it. He did the impossible. Everybody doubted him and he fucking mm-hmm. did it. He landed the plane. I don't think that's going to happen again. I highly, highly doubt it. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong to doubt the Feige, but I. Seriously doubt that it's going to happen again. And just look at this year, this box office, look at how much fucking money Top Gun Maverick has made compared to these two Marvel movies. That tells you everything you need to know about what audiences want. And as soon as you start to see the quality of these things drop off and audiences turn and the backlash be so much more pronounced than I've ever seen it with these things, and you see a movie like Top Gun Maverick just ridiculously outperform everything else, that tells you everything. that tells you that people do not want superheroes and you know, Marvel green screen shit. They want real old-fashioned fucking action movie making that isn't just this 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 noise. Which I, you know, I'm a fan, like I said, like I enjoyed this movie, but you got to see the cards, how they're dealt. And it's very, very clear that people are responding to this with their dollars, with what they're going back to the movies to see, with what is getting the best reviews and the best response. It's Top Gun Maverick. That's just the way it is. That's just the the, the numbers in front of us.
1: Do you think, and I have another thought that I want to come back to, but do you think that maybe it's the day and age that we're in of we are like so, everyone is so hyper plugged into the internet that that little like rotten tomatoes meter that appears? a week, two weeks before the movie comes out that tells you before you go to buy your ticket if this movie is going to be good or bad is affecting audiences more now than it did, say, five years ago, pre-COVID. Because I do wonder, even with something like Jurassic World Dominion, Jurassic movies are like, they were kind of like an unstoppable force. Like, even whenever they're bad, it was like, cool, they'll make $1.5 billion. Like, it'll just, like, shit it out. It doesn't even matter. And even the new Jurassic World kind of was fairly middling, all things Mm -hmm. considered. Like, it's very not doing great overall compared, especially like worldwide, or especially domestic, I should say. Worldwide, it's still making its numbers. But domestic, it's really kind of underperforming compared to expectations. And I wonder if the audience or whenever the reviews, the earlier views are coming out that are so negative, if that Is turning people away who are on the fence. And meanwhile, you do get something like Top Gun Maverick, where
0: much better reception when you just
1: keep hearing everyone say it's great, it's great, it's great, that's gonna bring in different audiences. I mean, great, Top Gun kind of has a built-in audience that isn't necessarily classic moviegoers that
0: people want to see Tom, dude. And movie
1: stars are back. That's the other thing. Are there any movie stars left in these movies? I guess I mean there's Chris Hemsworth. For what Hemsworth he is. Hemsworth is no Tom. <laughs> well, I mean, Chris Hemsworth isn't even Chris Evans. Chris right. Hemsworth isn't Robert Downey Jr. Right. Like, I think these movies kind of have a movie star problem where they don't really have. It's not fucking Ben Cumberbatch. I'm sorry. No.
0: Tom <laughs> Holland's probably the closest things in Daya, you know, that. Yeah.
1: But Tom Holland isn't. I mean, he is a movie star, like he's able to kind of do his thing. He was in um, fucking Uncharted, like he's able to kind of do those movies, but he doesn't have the like old school movie stardom. There isn't like 40, 50 year old people, middle aged people who are like going to the theater like, oh, man, I remember when that kid was coming. (laughs) Tom Holland, I remember when he was even a smaller child. Um, So that's one problem that they have. Another problem, and I don't want to belabor this too much because we've been talking about this movie for way too long. but um, I think that Marvel needs to figure out like how much importance they want to put on these TV shows because I think that right now another problem is that they're trying to like they don't know where the line is where they're trying to throw their weight behind these shows to convince people why they should tune in and why they're important to watch, but also they Don't matter for the rest of the story, at least so far, with the exception of WandaVision and I guess Falcon and Winter Soldier. But like, they don't really matter as far as the movies are concerned for the most part right now. And if you're eventually going to make them matter, like if Moon Knight's going to show up in Secret Wars or whatever the hell, then how are you now not only going to get audiences to tune into your movie and and the theater but also to watch your product on the service that I I think that Disney kind of they're at a point right now that I think that they are getting to with Star Wars 2 where they're starting to oversaturate the market too much exactly and it's kind of simple economics that if you just keep pumping product into the market that makes the entire value of it as a whole go down
0: yep there's they're they're diluting the product man the 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 beautiful blue meth is not what it used to be. This is, this is an approximation of that. And I don't, I don't know if they're gonna, if they're gonna return back to that. So we'll see what happens. I real, real quick,
1: just, I need to actually do a thorough update of this list, my layer box list, cause I haven't in a while, where do you have love and thunder in comparison in the Marvel
0: rankings. I I put it kind of in the middle. Um so there's 29 movies. I have it at 13. Um okay. so right right between Spider-Man Far From Home and Black Panther. So, you know, I'm just kind of I'm just kind of assuming that it might age well because it's so inconsequential. It just feels like this throwaway side story and I think looking back we might gravitate towards that a little bit more than the like hyper you know mythology building ones um but yeah i don't know i don't know we'll see what happens with time i i might like multiverse of madness more with time or you know it's uh, the thing about this is that this this thing has been going on for so long that like now i'm looking at movies like iron man 3 and captain america the first avenger which are lower in my ranking than this and i'm like man maybe those those should probably move up over this you know so it's like this whole thing could shift with yeah like uh did i have did i
1: underrate that thing now in hindsight of seeing the other things that have come after it um i would say i've only seen 25 marvel movies of the 29 um i have thor love and thunder at 21. um yeah i have three of my bottom five are thor movies Uh, it is right in between ant-man the wasp and black widow so um yeah didn't love this movie um you know i hope that it makes a comeback in some way that they can revitalize the thor character who knows? We'll I mean these sequels that they set up in the post credit sequence maybe we'll see them in 10 years maybe we just like won't see them they might just not ever
0: come to fruition Roy Kent um, Roy Kent He's here he's there he's every he's fucking, every fucking one.
1: where Roy Kent Roy
0: Kent That was yeah. that was really rough when I saw that I was like I can't believe we're doing this this is truly terrible <laughs> Did you clap <laughs> I just, I face palmed. I was like, oh, oh boy. All right. So let's, let's, uh, let's take the rainbow road bridge out of the shadow realm into Hawkins upside down for stranger things season four. Uh, we touched on this a little bit during a catch-up episode a couple of weeks ago, um, when volume one had come out and now volume two has come out, which was just two episodes, but they were both essentially feature length films to wrap up the season. And we've seen all of them. I uh, I shared a bunch of thoughts during that episode that were, that were pretty positive. I think I called this my favorite season of the series, which I don't know if I stand a hundred percent by that. I think I might have to put it at number two behind the first season. Cause I feel like, You know, the first season, it it did the thing. It just kind of started the whole ordeal. You can't really beat that. But I think this is a solid number two. I think Vecna is, like, the best villain they've had. Um, And, yeah, like I mentioned before, this whole season was so bloated and overlong uh, with these, like, mega-length episodes that I don't think were necessary. But I think it was worth it. Like obviously, there's a lot there that you can trim out to to make it a little bit more of a streamlined viewing experience. But this is a really, really entertaining show, and I think it it deserves the popularity, the massive popularity that it has. What did you think? Um, so I had not seen the first
1: part of Stranger Things whenever we whenever we lasted our catch up, um, and I think. I agree with you that this is either number two or number three. To me, the first season does like kind of perfectly capture that magic that I don't really think that the show has ever been able to capture that exact same feeling again. Um, Part of that is just because of, um, you know, with more seasons, you have to get bigger. You have to expand your cast, so on, so forth. I can't really capture that lightning in the bottle feeling. Another might just be that they're now making, uh, the kid who was just, um comatose for all of season one. They're now actually making him act, unfortunately. And sorry to Noah Schnapp, but, um, <laughs> you don't got it, kid. The um, most
0: unfortunate haircut of all time. Dude.
1: Okay. So I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> listeners. I'm sorry. Right now I'm going to say it. Noah Schnapp is a really bad actor. I think that he's like. I think he's bad in the show. Every time he's, he has, he has like one, one
0: scene. He has his.
1: one note, and it's just, <laughs> it's just being like really sad and concerned for his friends. That's his one note that he has. And I was like, oh, my God, if I see this kid looking out the window and starting to cry one more goddamn time, I'm going to fucking lose it. Uh, There's the whole, like, meme that's now going around that's literally of him looking out the window about to cry. And that's every goddamn scene that he's in. But, Hunter, he's a
0: gay boy in the 80s. I I know. I get it. Yeah. I
1: mean, I. Love how their only depiction of gay people of gay boys is that they're like very oversensitive and about to cry all the time. That's really great. How progressive. <laughs> um, I digress away from Noah Schnapp. Sorry, Will. Um, sorry, not sorry. Will um <laughs> <laughs> I think that this season is uh is really good though. You're right. Vecna is a great villain. I really like what they did with this character. Um, I think that some of the reveal without getting too spoilery um towards it, the end of part one. everyone's is, seen it
0: we can we can talk about it yeah, Everyone's seen the same. show okay
1: so spoilers for stranger things um the reveal of who vecna is is uh clumsy i'd say but also i do understand this is a show for like the lowest common denominator and it's a show for people who are also on their phones while
0: watching it. Yeah. Um, it's very so broad. It kind of, it, 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 it's to, not interested it, in like yeah. diving into the minutia of it all.
1: It kind of has to over-explain things. So this is going to sound negative and I don't mean this in a negative way. So I'm going to like kind of explain myself here, but I think Stranger Things is the show that I enjoy the most, that I care the least about. And what I mean by that is, like, I don't really, like, I don't really wouldn't say that I have an emotional connection with this show at all. Um, right. A lot of times this show is just, like, it's kind of just dumb fun. Yeah. And, like, if I think about it at all, I don't really care. Um, I don't have any emotional ca- uh, connection to any character except for Joe Curie. Joe Curie is a goddamn movie star in the making. And we need to protect that man at all costs. Um Also but
0: otherwise, uh, Eddie, we'll get into Eddie, but no, no, we'll get to die Eddie for that because man.
1: Joseph Quinn, I love that guy. Um, but for the most part, I don't really care about a lot of the connection that they're trying to have. I think that part of it is that they're in so many different places all at once. And, this season especially is
0: yeah you're going to Russia, We're California. Russia.
1: We're with like the younger kids then also we have the um Joe Keery, Maya Hawk. um Which is the best stuff whole- of this
0: season and I mentioned yes. this last time everything that happens in Hawkins right. is Every- so well done.
1: The Nancy Steve Robin stuff is easily the best part about the entire season like I just I kind of want like a whole nancy drew-esque show with just those three like getting into their antics together because yeah. i fucking love them uh people who are now trying to reunite nancy and jonathan fuck right off with that um i don't care about charlie Heaton. that man has no chemistry with anybody except for maybe a uh, stoner guy uh yeah at the Eduardo
0: end <laughs> the, the last episode when they finally reunite and uh you kind of get steve off to the side looking longingly i'm like god damn it <laughs> like no get this come on do you see me so hot um
1: no i uh i really like this season though i like i don't say that to come off like fully negatively because there is a lot of scenes and a lot of sequences and stuff in this new season that was just like yo this fucking rocks the metallica scene in the season finale Master that's way of too puppets. long hours. hours. it's as long as Thor: love and thunder one episode of this it's uh, much show.
0: longer than Th- than thor love and thunder by like 20 minutes i think dear god
1: um <laughs> maybe thor love and thunder just felt like it was three and a half hours long the, the but, thing um, is is
0: that like there are moments in this final episode that are clear episode breaks where it literally fades to black
1: yeah <laughs> It's like why don't we just split why what it's nine? It's not like we're like hitting like a hard 10 or like a it's hard a, 12. Like it's, it's a sp-
0: budgetary thing, so they don't have to spend more money on the actors because I think the actors are paid per episode, so you just you just That's stretch really the runtime. Up. Yeah, so they're
1: like, Oh, sorry guys, we have a two and a half hour episode <laughs> of our show. Sorry, I guess you can't get paid now. <laughs> That's really shit. I actually didn't know that and that kind of sucks.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's how these deals work. Um, which I don't know, maybe get a new deal with your agent when No, uh, that's
1: the downside of working for Netflix when you just have no idea what how long your episode is going to be. Um, yeah, I uh I really like this season a lot. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um there's some really visually interesting stuff. There is some stuff that looks bad. Um in the words of friend of the pod, Harry, there's a scene at the end of part one, when we first see um, one become Vecna, uh, friend of the pod, Harry said, I liked when he uh, got sucked into a meatloaf album cover, which is the <laughs> best description of it that I've ever heard. Cause it's just like red and black cloudiness yeah. and kind of the world's inverting on itself. And it looks really bad, but, for a show that has like i don't know costs like 50 million dollars per episode or whatever
0: but yeah. and they whatever. do a lot of things that like they may they don't necessarily need to do like there's a scene where eleven crashes a helicopter from the sky into the ground it's like what does this really serve the plot other than like Eleven has her powers back, you know, like we, I think that's a good moment to see like, okay, she's finally got her powers back. But it's also like, damn, that you did that for real. You did it a real explosion. (laughs) Uh, And it's like, damn, you're just flexing how much money you have. But to
1: that point, and that's a good example, mentioning the whole bring the helicopter down for a show that's and for a season of television that feels so bloated, it also feels like there were so many corners cut all the time, uh, storyline wise. Like we end episode one of part two with eleven. Uh, I think it's the end of episode. I could be wrong. I
0: could be mixing up. It could be end of part one or whatever. But well, that's so the eleven end. Of, gets... That's the end of of that first episode is when the helicopter okay. comes down. Yeah. Okay. So cool.
1: So eleven is trying to leave uh her little compound where she's stuck in and then she has this whole like showdown where they're like you're actually not allowed to leave you're stuck here and then 15 minutes later it's like actually just kidding we're getting invaded so never mind that whole plot line we actually did have to weirdly cut an hour out of this segment here like that there is weird narrative things and it's all over the season where it just like feels like oh we're jumping to this thing now oh like we were setting up one thing now we're jumping to this one Wait, let me check the time. Oh, there's still 90 minutes left in this episode. So like it's
0: tough. It's tough because what are we doing? (laughs) Each storyline seems to they're they're cutting it seems like they're cutting evenly between each storyline, but each storyline isn't necessarily playing out over the same amount of time. It's almost like they're attempting a Dunkirk. (laughs) You know, it's like you have (laughs) air, yeah, and the mole. And in Dunkirk everything that happens in the air happens over the course of like an hour and everything that happens on land happens over the course of like a day and then, or sorry, sea. And then on land happens over the course of a week. So it's like over the course of this two ish, two and a half hour, ish movie, you're cutting between these three different timelines that are playing out over much, much different amounts of time. Right. And Dunkirk does that extremely well in my opinion i think that maybe this is trying to do a similar thing but i don't know if it's exactly in the same way because at the beginning of the season we see um winona leave for russia right and then obviously she comes back at the end so we know that that amount of time has passed right and same thing with 11 where it's like okay we see her go into this facility and then come out so that it's like that same amount of time but it's like you don't get the 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 feeling that the events are happening concurrently that whatever's happening in these three different places is happening at the same time and over the same amount of time as everything else so i think that that's that might be like why that discrepancy is happening cuz it's like oh how much time did they spend in the airplane in Russia. How much time did she spend in the fucking tub in the underground bunker right. in Nevada? Yeah, like, like how many
1: sessions was she going doing like two a days in there? Like, what are we, where are we talking about? These, these, uh, since they're sensitive, sensory deprivation tanks, excuse me. That's why
0: um, the, the Hawkins stuff is the best because there is this clear sense of momentum in like the story day, night,
1: day night you can and i think it is because you
0: literally are seeing
1: the days go by and the progression of me, the right. story
0: with the the murders <laughs> these people are dying the town going crazy over losing these kids and like what's happening and blaming eddie for it there is this like more clear progression to that storyline that feels like we can connect to it more that we don't really have with the other two I think that you might be right, but also trying to
1: assign the Dunkirk quality of storytelling to it might be giving the show too much credit, where I think that maybe it's just as simple as whenever you spread out your main characters into this many storylines, some of the arcs just don't work well. Um, Like, for example, I think everything in Russia fails. I truly did not care. As soon as we went to Russia, I was so bored and was like, "Can we please get back to like that's, real human beings?" That's when I and went to take a like, shit or check
0: my phone. Oh,
1: <laughs> they're communists, so they experiment with these on un- these upside down alien creatures, and it's like, okay, cool. Like, what? And I
0: love when here is this. Like, I love yeah, Brett Gelman. No
1: exactly like the trio of them are good actors and i kind of feel bad they're just kind of stuck doing nonsense yeah like i i really actually like um the guy let me pull up his game name of thrones here. guy
0: a yeah. man a man has no name
1: yeah exactly that guy um i think that he's really good and him and um him and david harbour have a really good chemistry with each other um are you pulling up his name uh jock and hagar <laughs> there yeah, that's it there you go um i i think that he is like really great and i like their chemistry together but i just don't care about like the whole we went through a portal and we're in a russian prison now and they are just like torturing them because you know it's the cold war um I just found that all like extremely uninteresting and a show that has a lot of interesting yeah.
0: ideas. And it's just so that obvious so that it has to time- it has to connect like we know that it's going to get to the point where it's going connect back to 11. And it's right, like so we're it's just waiting for that moment where it's like, all right, let's just get to that. And I honestly I like the idea on paper. I like the idea of them fighting a demogorgon in a Siberian prison, <laughs> gladiator style. Like that's a cool idea.
1: Yeah, but it took just, 8 episodes. It took 9 episodes, 8 9 episodes to get there. So Exactly. What, uh, yeah, I it just doesn't really land. I'd say the the whole 11 storyline, I Millie Bobby Brown Really, Millie Bobby Brown and Finn Wolfhard kind of get sidelined in a weird way this
0: season. At well, least Finn I Wolfhard is like not a great actor. <laughs> yeah, so that's a whole other thing. Um, he's been good kind of before. Funny that he was
1: he was solid in it. I liked I, him in it. I liked. Well, I think that he might have the potential. It feels like he doesn't. He's not really he doesn't know what this character is anymore. This is
0: not, this is becoming kind of a bad character. Like Will kind of sucks. He's oh, yeah, so no, unaware or of Mike, like- Mike. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Well, Will kind of does suck too. Right? Yeah, Will Will <laughs> For really different sucks. reasons. <laughs> but no, yeah, Mike Just is so Will, uh, like emotionally unavailable. Like Will is clearly trying to tell him that like I am in love with you. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, "Oh, oh, dude, what? oh, oh so, dude, I have a I girlfriend I don't wanna dude. say I love
1: you, and I don't wanna say I love my girlfriend. Um, I just want to go be in pup music videos um, i
0: I think that if if these guys, the Duffer brothers, Duffer one and duffer two, um sitting in bed together, holding hands,
1: <laughs> <laughs> you think they're like the property bros, like they're low-key actually sleeping together. <laughs>
0: If they're smart, they'll do something interesting with Mike that explores this idea of him being, like, not that great of a guy. Yeah, I
1: want him to be a shithead. <laughs> like, let's just go. I already, like, Finn Wolfhard kind of has, like, an unlikable face. Um, so let's just embrace that.
0: Yeah. And Eleven, like, Millie Bobby Brown has become a huge star. Um, she's, she's in a lot of stuff these days. Um, and it sucks that this show that made her kind of has more time for other people than her, even though she's like the biggest face on the poster. Um, you know, we did have to spend a lot of time regaining her powers and, and having this kind of like backtracking storyline for her, which was rough. But I do think, again, a lot of this season is kind of very bloated and overlong and, and it is kind of like a, a, a bit of a struggle to get through. But I did like where it ends up and going into volume two, based on where volume one ends, I think that the 11 stuff is really good because it's like, all right, we're back. She has her powers back. She went through this whole journey of like figuring out what this facility was that was experimenting on her and her relationship to Vecna. All of that I think is great, even though the, the path there was was not so kind of, you know, all, all figured out and all together. Um, I don't know I, if we'll she's say, the most I, interesting character in the show anymore.
1: I think it's kind of ironic that Finn Wolfhard and Millie Bobby Brown came out as like, they were the two figures, Like they were the center of stranger things coming out of season one. And now I just find everything that, um, Gatton, uh, Madar Madazo the guy who plays Dustin and, uh, Caleb McLaughlin was- who plays, um, Lucas like I just find them to be so much more interesting and yes. so much more fun and adding so much more life to everything than anything they're doing. Also uh Sadie Sink who plays Max yeah. incredible I, everything performance. That, this everything that everything that Eleven it's kind of weird. Eleven's been kind of replaced as far as like an emotional weight to the story for this Max
0: character. Yeah. She gets the most like emotionally climactic moments. She gets the whole Kate Bush moment that everyone's been talking about. And her performance is genuinely great. I mean, she is the one who's like most at peril um, when it comes to Beckna. And I mentioned this last time, but, you know, one of the best things about Beckna is that he's such a clear metaphor for depression. They they mm-hmm. did a really, really good job, like clearly outlining that. Depression and, and guilt.
1: Which, right. I mean, we don't need another fucking show to tell us that uh, guilt is the true enemy I'll alone. Mm-hmm. Watch uh, any A24 movie, <laughs> any A24 horror movie from the last 10 years. But um, but this character, Max, really embodies well
0: that really, really mm-hmm. well. You know, she lost her brother. There's all the depression and guilt there of that and all of the other thing- horrible things that have happened to her. And she does a really, really great with her performance and, and just kind of making us feel like this villain is a real, real threat. And also like seeing how that threat can really impact someone. She is the core of this whole season and I think is what makes it great. And, you know, we're, we're getting into it. We're, people have seen it. You, if you've seen it, then why are you listening? If you haven't seen it, then why are you listening to this? But what happens to her is really fucking upsetting (laughs) and to end on her with like all four of her limbs completely shattered and she's like essentially like brain dead 11 can't connect with her telepathically at all she has like no eyes and that moment of lucas like holding her i was like i couldn't believe that i was like oh my god i can't believe this show I mean, this has been a really dark season, but damn, this is, this is fucked up. (laughs) It,
1: it does end on a dark note. And I think that the show really needed that. I, because we can talk about our boy, Eddie, but like this, this season needed somebody to die.
0: Well, every season has kind of no 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 but it death. needs
1: like it needed a main character to die because we needed oh. to have we well everyone thought Steve wasn't
0: of... gonna make it that was like the big theory
1: dude if if Steve if Steve fucking dies I riot okay I refuse to watch that goddamn, scene where show, he's so he's, he's
0: driving right the Winnebago and he's like yeah I just want a family of I, know, dude, I know dude I'm like I... oh fuck dude <laughs> this honestly guy's fucked. they set up
1: him <laughs> They do do kind of a good fake out because uh, for him and Lucas uh, also gets like kind of one of those like, I've learned from my mistakes and I'm going to be a better person now. And you're like, God, oh, this fucker's going to die. So they like set that up, that kind of, and it doesn't exactly pan out. Um, Joseph Quinn, RIP buddy. I have Eddie thoughts, but I'll save that for just a second, just to talk about Max, that the show needed... The show needed stakes in a way that it didn't have before. And not like not stakes as like David Harbour got sucked into a portal and is now in a Russian prison, but like we know that he's still alive. Mm-hmm. We needed stakes he as he is like, Hellboy
0: though. So you know keep that in mind.
1: Oh, of course. Fuck, how could I forget that he's Hellboy? Um, we need stakes as to know like that these kids aren't gods and that they are able to get hurt and die in these situations. Right. And, I'm not saying that they need to Game of Thrones this thing and just fucking kill people willy nilly, but you still have to have something in there to keep people attached, keep people emotionally invested and not just have that whole like cartoon superhero effect where you're like, don't worry, Thor is going to make it out of this. Okay. Like, you need something like that. And so the way that we end up with the Max character does kind of... It, it's like dipping its toes in. It's not fully investing because because... Um, I'm going to go ahead and say spoilers for Season 5 right now. She'll be alive in some form capacity. She'll be able to telepathically do something. Like, she's not dead, so she'll be involved in some way, shape, or form. But at yeah, least I'll like, be shocked
0: if she's not, yeah.
1: She'll have some kind of physical ailments to everything do you want to talk about um eddie talk about master, boy Joseph
0: Quinn. master master of puppets yeah dude um, um man, this guy this was- fucking rocks dude even from the jump like the first scene that he's introduced when he's jumping on the fucking cafeteria table like i was like this is my fucking guy holy shit and of course he's framed for the murder of um cassie i think her name is Um, and he's on the run and we're with him for a good bit of that first half where it's like, this guy's being framed for what Vecna is doing. And they think that he's like this cult leader, you know, doing D and D how they see the whole D and D thing as like a Satanist cult. That's infecting the children. I thought that was really good. And, Mm. uh, a good commentary on like 21st century America too, and how quickly this town is just like able to just point at these kids and call them Satanists. And, you know, this, this handsome blonde fella standing in front of the crowd, really riling them up and getting them all agitated. Um, which I Our was really happy. Boy. Um, I was really happy to see him get just completely chopped in half with the, <laughs> the upside down portal opening. That was, that was a great moment.
1: Yeah. I don't um, know who that guy is, but like, if that guy was born like 30 years earlier, he's definitely a proud boy. Like he right. is
0: just fully just, well, this is 86. So here. he grows up to be, he, you know, he grows up to be like a 50 something, 60 something proud boy. Yeah. easily. Oh, absolutely. Um, but yeah, a Joseph Quinn, if you will, um, he, he doesn't make it out of the season. You know, I, I don't know why I thought he would, but I, Dude, I was really sad. Let me tell you, from episode
1: one, I was like, <laughs> He's I fucked. had bad news for our guy. Eddie is not going to make
0: it. Um, but he was such a joy. Every scene that yeah. this guy is in is like just automatically one of the best scenes of the season. He brings yeah. so much life and energy. And I just I kept watching for him just just so much of this season i kept watching just for him because he is incredible i i have my eye on him i'm gonna see him in whatever he's in he's so talented i fucking love this guy he was in us he was in a mangrove the small x oh nice yeah is he one of the
1: racist cops uh i who the fight he was somebody named pc dixon yeah um, uh, um so yeah he was a cop um No, he's fucking amazing. I knew it. That first scene is great, and the scene also in the first episode of the season where they're playing D and D, and the cutting between that and the basketball game is like truly like one of the best directing choices. The directing that the Duffer Brothers have done in all of Stranger Things, as far as neither of them are like really action set pieces are, are c- super cgi heavy in any well any way but it's just really good at kind of telling two um escalating kind of sequences at the same time that have completely different stakes from each other um I just thought that was really really well done and he is fucking excellent in that scene actually playing Vecna um Newark I was gonna die from like day one it was just like very it was you know you knew it was gonna happen and it sucks too because he also he had to die because Stranger Things already has a problem a too many characters problem right where when I say that we can kill some characters off it's because we keep introducing goddamn characters and then not killing them off and then we have to like Oh, let's go check in on uh, that doctor that Eleven used to have. Let's go see what he's up to for a few episodes this season. And then uh, let's go check in on this guy from uh, season two and see what's happening there. And um, it just leads to the I'm going to look down at my phone moments that the yeah. show makes um, because we aren't staying as focused. I'm really curious, does season five come out next year?
0: I, it, they haven't have even started shooting it yet, so oh, okay, yeah. Um, probably because have to I wait wonder a while if they're,
1: that. I wonder how they're going to format it. I almost wonder if they're just going to do like five two and a half hour episodes or like something like that. I can maybe see that maybe Netflix will break its whole thing and they'll release one a week or something like that. Because well, I like the splitting like- it in
0: two because that allowed people to have like some type of buildup of conversation. You know, well, that's
1: what that's what I mean is that I, I think that would be in net, Netflix's best interest to kind of spread this baby out as long as they have, because uh, the dirty little secret is that Netflix really fucking needs Stranger Things.
0: Mm-hmm. Did you uh, see that see, the Duffer brothers are going to be producing more stuff?
1: Yeah. Upside Down Productions got announced this last yeah. week or so, so that they can continue to make Stranger
0: yeah. Things. Still sitting content. in bed together. Just, just yeah, arms just, interlock with their little just, laptops out. Just for one, Duffer other, two.
1: just one of them's going upside down. Let me tell you, um,
0: <laughs> but yeah, I'm Eddie, sorry. Eddie is the standout here and his dynamic with Dustin is phenomenal. And you, you Dude, even throw the, Steve in there, you get the I three know. Of them bouncing the off scenes, of each other.
1: That's really like. That's my core five some that we can have is just the Nancy, uh, Steve, Robin, Dustin and Eddie like that group together is just so much fun. You have like the kind of will they won't they between Nancy and Steve, which is fucking great because, I mean, we mentioned I would die for Joe Keery, but also I think that. um, <clears throat> Excuse me, uh, Natalie Dyer as nancy is just like so good at playing like a very classic 80s like a very classic 80s character like she would fit in perfectly just in like something like breakfast club or something yeah. like that with this type of uh this performance that she's giving in here uh of course i love maya hawk stan her um she has some her great whole,
0: moments this season she's she has some so great good
1: I will say, love Maya hawk to death. Um, her uh, like being a lesbian just as like a whole plot point. Whenever it's convenient, isn't great. Um, it's kind of messily handled.
0: Again, too many characters. It's that same yeah, issue. Uh, yeah, you can't really and- devote too much time
1: well her and um will it's just kind of like did you just make them gay to seem progressive because you aren't actually doing anything interesting with the fact that they're gay you're just kind of you made it there just as like a plot point and just so like you can have some almost like throwaway funny lines with like maya and joe or uh with robin and steve like oh they're just we're just very like, uh, we're just friends. We're just capital F friends. Um, yeah. Um, but that stuff all works. Dustin's great. I fucking love that guy that he's, he's such just a beacon of light in this show. Yeah, And he kind of is like the only like remaining element from season one, from a character perspective, that's kind of stayed true throughout. Mm-hmm. Like his character has a sense of
0: adventure. Yeah, you know, his
1: uh, character hasn't changed, not that it hasn't changed in like a bad way, because change is good. Like, I mean, Joe Curie isn't likable the first time that you see him as Steve
0: Harrington. Yeah, what a but- what a wild character arc for that guy. And I guess <laughs> Nancy, too, to the same extent, where it's like they were just very kind of stock, like 80s high school kids, mm-hmm. and now they've just like really become something you know unique and i think those those actors have a lot to do with it just because they're so kind of charismatic and can shape those characters to be what they've become but that yeah
1: do you think and maybe i'm just like spitballing here but do you think that like the show has evolved in this way because like just over the course of four seasons the Deffer brothers have picked up on like Joe Curie has chops and maybe, uh, fuck is his name, Charlie Heaton, who plays Jonathan. Like maybe this kid doesn't got it. So oh we'll just boy, make him be yeah. a stoner. So when he's not acting, we can just say that he's high.
0: <laughs> that's yeah, that's tough. I did like his friend though. Uh, Eduardo Franco. Yeah.
1: Uh, oh yeah. He's my dude. That. Argyle. Yeah. Yeah. He's, you know, he's playing the Cheech and Chong type, the 80s guy, 80s stoner guy. Um, he has some funny lines in there. Their characters can get a little bit annoying at times when it's like, oh, you're still doing the stoner guy thing in a dramatic sequence. Like, Right, right, right.
0: Come you on, you need one guy to going. at least kind of keep things a little light.
1: Um, But I mean, similar. Maybe it's just the buyer's family. I'm, I'm sorry. Like maybe we could have a do-over, Winona Ryder,
0: with your kids. Dude, your kids just don't got do you, it. How do you just go to Russia <laughs> and you abandon your child? You've abandoned my child. I've abandoned my boys. Your adopted daughter that is like clearly being bullied at school and is not having a good experience. You're just gonna leave her. She just tried Wait. to murder someone with a skate.
1: Um, yeah, well, yeah, maybe we shouldn't go to Russia after doing that, after our child just like committed assault. I don't know.
0: I think she was little, already gone little at that point. <laughs> oh, cool. What a great mom. <laughs> she was um, already
1: on the plane. Jesus Christ. Um, one other thing, uh, I have a note for you. Um, note for you, Joyce. Maybe your kids. Getting bullied at school because you're dressing her like a middle aged woman and she's 12. Yeah, so, um, tough outfits, yeah, or 14, whatever the hell. Um, there's I, Millie Bobby Brown is like do? 19. <laughs> no, well, that's I, I feel like they're they don't know how to dress her character because they're just like, well, we can't dress her like a 19 year old would dress in the 80s because she has to be playing 14 but also like she doesn't really look like a 14 year old some of the de-aging stuff does not look great
0: yeah Um, it's a little rough yeah it
1: looks it looks a little bit luke skywalker-y um not not great not great uh but just more than that some of the outfits are just insane the millie bobby brown's outfit that she has for like the last episode
0: that's such a weird like
1: that flowery pattern people dress like
0: that in the 80s
1: like i've never seen anyone wear that shirt (laughs) in my life (laughs) i don't know what they were like it just it kind of baffles me that like who chose this outfit what are we doing
0: yeah tough tough look So yeah, season five is going to be the last one. Um, They're saying they might have a time jump to deal with these kids getting so much older, but based on the end of of this season, I don't see how they can do that because it's very much like setting up like a direct conflict of like a giant portal to the upside down has opened in the middle of Hawkins. Like, how do you do a time jump after that? You have to pick up where that leaves off. I I don't see how you can do a time jump, Um, but maybe they'll figure out a way. I don't know. Or they can just keep pretending that these kids are like 14 as they go into their 20s. Yeah,
1: no, I can't wait for I can't wait for Finn Wolfhard to be like 25 (laughs) and just looking. Just all skin and bone, and just yeah. like really tall, and just the lanky. He looks like fucking Chet Holmgren out there, and just he's
0: just Joe Kiri. Joe Kiri is, is just gonna start looking like very much like his in his late 20s. He's like, no, at I'm still least,
1: <laughs> at least they have Joe Kiri, who has like such a Joe Kiri is 30 right now. My, oh my god, is, <laughs> he is 30, which at it least looks great for 30 at least they did cast a guy who just doesn't grow facial hair. Like, I mean, that's good. Or like grows very little facial hair, very soft, nice skin. So it makes it easier for this kind of a role. But, um, yeah, they better start filming this thing quick. Uh, cause they ain't getting yeah. any younger. We'll um, see. They tried to at least do that. The funniest thing is, uh, if you look up pictures of Caleb McLaughlin now, uh, my guy is like jacked like he's he's fucking fit
0: yeah oh is that um, uh lucas yeah that's lucas yeah which they
1: you know they make him he's on the basketball
0: team and everything i think he has the most drastic uh change of anyone in between seasons he looks so different he was mm -hmm. he used to be so tiny he was a little little guy yeah he's just a little gay just he's fucking fit now Yeah.
1: um one other thing uh real quick before we wrap just because i hadn't seen part one before um whenever we talked last time Mm -hmm. the running up that hill sequence um you know that song is now it's approaching territory of being overplayed uh, even though it's a straight banger and real ones have been out here listening to kate bush for years we didn't need a netflix show to tell us to listen to kate bush um but it's a really good sequence it's really fucking well done yeah, the like effective. the remix that they kind of make to it that's like orchestral and kind of like playing epic. out these lines is very epic it's really, really well done. Um, it's kind of funny because the show almost makes a joke about overplaying running up that hill. Like yeah. I think that Max has that line where she's like, what if this doesn't become my favorite song anymore? Yeah. It's like I'm ready to 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 10 Bush. hour lift to it. Um but yeah, no, it's it's a it's a great song and that sequence is great.
0: We also and, get a good yeah. moment of when um when they're trying to save uh, what's her name? Uh, Nancy, and they're going through all of Eddie's tapes and uh he holds up iron maiden he's like this is music <laughs> <laughs> they're all frustrated that i can't find something that she's gonna like that, that was a, that was a really really good moment yeah eddie man fuck yeah god like, i'm i'm that master that puppet sequence dude god damn that was so fucking badass that shit rocked that was just, just like oh uh,
1: uh, that was one of the incredible. few things where i was like yeah this fucking rules like i don't i don't care what's happening or i don't care that there's just like ominous red clouds floating around right now. Like I'm basically looking at a modern version of an 80s music video and this
0: rocks. It was very, very well done. And then at the end, when Dustin is talking to Eddie's uncle and telling him like he was a hero, I genuinely got emotional. I was like, man, they really did the work to make this like emotionally click. For as much as like, I agree with the point you were making earlier about how like, I don't really care that much about these people. For that scene, they did the work to set that mm-hmm. up properly to get that emotional payoff of when he's talking to his uncle. Like that was so devastating, of telling yeah. him, like, yeah, he he sacrificed himself for this town that hated him. Like, oh my god, that that got me. That was yeah. that was really well done.
1: I I do think like that. That's I I didn't mean it in like an insulting way because I did I really enjoyed this season of TV, but it's kind of the show that emotionally didn't click with me as much as some of my other favorite TV shows, but I was arguably more entertained than those other TV shows. If that makes sense.
0: Totally. Like I was just,
1: this is very, very entertaining television. It's kind of the best version of these kind of broad, of a broad television show. Like we just got done talking about Thor and kind of talking about the other Marvel properties, which are trying to do this, Wide, broad band of television and of filmmaking to appeal to every audience in the world. And I think that those are widely unsuccessful as of late. And I think that stranger things is very successful in what it's trying to do. It can't be at least in my opinion, for me personally. I know a lot of people disagree with this, but it won't be it won't ever have the same emotional connection with me because it is so broad. but, it executes the whole idea of being entertaining better than any of those other properties do, yeah. in my opinion. And
0: and that's why it's so popular, you know, and I, I think it, it earns it. I, I think that it, it deserves to be as popular as it is so we can wrap it up there. Uh, thank you all for listening. Please be sure to rate review and subscribe, like, and comment, let us know your thoughts on stranger things on love and thunder and, uh, check out, we bought a for all other episodes and archives and backlog of all the other things that we have going on including our return to robin williams career arc series we just did the Birdcage. we got jack coming up Mm. and um yeah probably also checking in on the new jordan peel nope that is right around the corner too you excited for nope
1: i'm excited for nope i had a nope like uh moment at my house last night when Right. I just <laughs> saw. I sent a picture to Ernest and to some friends last night. There was just an ominous thing that I just saw in my sky above my house. That who hey, knows? Yeah, maybe Nope is coming to me.
0: Yeah, it's it's the viral marketing campaign. Really, is really that getting,
1: <laughs> Jordan Peele actually got real aliens to show yeah. up above of a film
0: critic's homes yeah. to
1: prepare them for Nope?
0: Um, I know you're also trying to get caught up on The Boys season three, so we might bring you an episode on that oh, yeah. as well. Um, and let's see what else. I know the Bear is also yeah. another the one. Bear.
1: Um, yeah, we're we're gonna have to talk about the Bear. Yeah, there's there's some good shit right now. Um, the film movies aren't getting there. Isn't a lot of big movies coming out for the
0: next well, few yeah. weeks, other than no. Nope. That's why it's perfect to jump back into Robin. Yeah. So check got out it. the birdcage if you haven't already. Check out Jack, um, and then we got yeah the 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 second half of his big '90s run coming up with things like Flubber. Flubber is coming up. So yeah, Flubber, not his Oscar-winning performance in Goodwill Hunting. Yeah. He got Flubber. <laughs> Maybe he should have won an Oscar for, for <laughs> Flubber. We'll see. We'll see. Um, but yeah. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, Thank you, donors, for donating. And we will see you next time. We love you. Bye-bye. Bye.